tonight's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and to the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This is the word of the Lord. Growing up, my family vacationed on Wellesley Island in the St. Lawrence Seaway. It's part of the Thousand Island chain. My grandmother had a cottage there that was built at the turn of the century. We usually go up in, in August for a couple of weeks. And uh, one of my favorite characters up there was my grandmother's good friend, Chuck Osborne. He had this huge Victorian. This whole place was built in like 1880 as a Methodist campground. It was a, not a campground at all, though. It was a fascinating place. But Chuck had this huge Victorian and this old sea craft boat with a 90-horsepower with a Evernood on it. And he would gather up all the kids who were vacationing and take us out to teach us how to fish. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in an 18-foot boat with six, eight-year-olds trying to learn how to fish. But uh, it was often quite hazardous. Uh, We would cast and get hung up in the weeds. We'd get fishing line wrapped up in the engine. We would trip over the worm bucket. uh, It was just this chaos for all morning long. And and Chuck never really uh, took up a pole himself. He just... He just, in the midst of that, wanted to teach us to fish. For, for some reason, I, I thought about that memory of my learning how to fish with, with uh, Chuck. As I thought about our passage here this morning, or tonight, because what, what Jesus is doing in our passage, in a much more efficient way than Chuck did, is teaching how to fish. If you remember last week, we we saw Jesus come into Capernaum along the Sea of Galilee and call the disciples to him and say, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. And you remember we said that one of the the symbols in the ancient world of judgment and chaos was uh, water, dark water, water like the Sea of Galilee. And so this metaphor we looked at last week, the idea was that Jesus was saying, look, uh, people are drowning, they're trapped, they're caught in a sea of judgment and chaos, and I'm drawing you out of that, and I'm going to teach you how to draw others out of it. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. And like a a good teacher, uh, a better teacher than uh, dear Chuck was, he decides to model what fishing looks like before he sends them out to fish. And that's really what he's doing in this passage. He is modeling what it looks like to fish for people. And the heart of the strategy is that little phrase, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. 
He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming, it's the same Greek word, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease. If you do a study of the Lord's ministry, you will find that any time a gospel writer wants to boil down what Jesus did, he'll boil it down to this phrase, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's the heart of what Jesus came to do. Uh, In one passage in Mark, the disciples have had a long day of ministry, and they say, you know, let's kind of stay here and rest a little bit. And Jesus says, no, we have to go to the next town. I need to preach there too, because that's why I came. That was his strategy, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, Another time, he stands up in the synagogue. This is in Luke 4. And he he opens up the Torah to Isaiah 61. And he reads, applying to himself, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Then on another evening, when crowds tried to get him to stay in a village, he replies, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So, if we're trying to understand, and for, forgive me, uh, Caroline, if this is, you can get this later, but I'm about to dump it all over, so I'm going to move that back there. Uh, Jesus' fishing strategy is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, Greek speakers, and most people think that Matthew was written primarily to Greek speakers. Uh, no, no, that's actually not true. But everyone reading this in Greek would have been familiar with the language. In their literature, a preacher was a herald, someone who would announce things. So uh, there would be a preacher who would stand up at the Olympic Games and announce the winner of the Games. Uh, And and often what they were announcing was called the gospel, the hoangelio, from which we get our word evangelism. So there were very many references in Greek literature, I was skimming through them today, uh, about a herald, a preacher, standing up and proclaiming the gospel. And they'd proclaim the good news of uh, an emperor that uh, had been born, the good news of a battle victory, the good news of, uh, of an economic uh, uh, boon. And so this idea of someone proclaiming good news was pretty common uh, to them in the ancient world. Now, Jesus declares the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. He he is coming, he's announcing as a herald the good news that the reign of God has begun. But not only that, he tells you to do it too. You remember what we said a disciple was last week? It's someone who was invited to come behind Jesus and follow his ways and walk with him and, and learn from him and imitate him. So anything he asks the disciples to do, he asks you to do. And he asks the disciples to go out and preach. Mark 3.14, and he appointed 12 so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. So in some sense, and we'll try to unravel what this means, in some sense, every disciple fishes for people by announcing the reign of God. It's a little different way of thinking about evangelism, isn't it? But that's how the Gospels talk about it. That 
You and I are called to announce the reign of God. Well, how do we do that? that that's, a, that's not an easy idea. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit abstract. Um, uh, if it's true that the way that we fish for people is that wherever you're sent out to this week, whatever classroom or carpool line or, or office or gym or, 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 or wherever you go, that, that one of the things you're supposed to be about, maybe the core thing you're supposed to be about this week and whatever you're doing is announcing the reign of God, how does that fit? Well, Jesus announces the reign of God by teaching and by healing. So let's look at that for a moment and then see if we can build a bridge to your world because our world is very different than the world that he lived in. Let's talk about teaching for a moment. Jesus announces the reign of God by teaching about the kingdom of God. Now, in Jesus' day, any adult male could take part in, in worship service in the synagogue. A Jewish boys not girls, which is one of the reasons why people were scandalized when Christ taught men and women in his school of discipleship. It was a radical break. They were taught in a kind of elementary school system to read the scriptures, to read the Torah. And so it was very common during a synagogue worship meeting on a Saturday Sabbath for men in the congregation to stand up, open up a Torah, and expound on it. And so Jesus evidently walks into the synagogues uh, scattered along the little villages up on the northern western shore of Galilee. And on every Saturday, he would come in and he'd start expounding Torah. And the synagogues often had little rooms alongside where the school would be, be run. And so sometimes uh, Jesus may have walked into that school and, and said, actually, can I teach for a little bit? And so he does that. We don't know for how long, but he goes all through Galilee teaching from the Torah on the kingdom of God. Now, he, he, we have some examples of what his teaching ministry was like. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount uh, is about what life in the kingdom looks like. The parables illustrate the kingdom of God. Sometimes Jesus even performs dramatic acts to teach about the kingdom. Sometimes he curses a fig tree and it dies, or he throws... Uh, people out of the temple, these are prophetic acts that teach about the nature of the kingdom of God. And so he announces the reign of God through his teaching. And then he tells disciples to do the same. Matthew 28, 19, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And the church has always understood this as the Great Commission, as a word for, for all disciples, not just people with a teaching gift. So what does it mean? If, if you're a disciple, uh, God calls you to announce the reign of God, to preach the kingdom. One of the ways you do that is by teaching about the kingdom of God. But wait a minute, I'm in school 40 hours a week. Wait, wait a minute, I'm raising children. Uh, wait a minute, I'm, I, I'm sick and I don't have any energy. What does it mean for me to teach as a disciple today? 
Well, one application I think we can start with is, is with our children. Our first mission field as a church is our, our little ones, our, our children. We need to teach our children about the kingdom of God. We need to teach them what it looks like to live under God's reign. Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Now, it's true that that's addressed to parents first. And it is true that a a parent has a primary responsibility for teaching their child how to live under the reign of God. That's not easy to do. Sandy and I went through numerous failed devotional attempts around the supper table over the years. Uh, Never quite figured out how to do that well. One of the things that you might ask some of the older parents, younger parents, is how did you teach your children how to live under God's reign? That's an important question for a parent to ask. But it's not just the parent's responsibility. The church is modeled on the synagogue. and In the synagogue, the whole community would come together and share the teaching with the children. And that's our responsibility, too. Our family is responsible for helping our little ones learn how to live under the reign of God. It's not just the parent's responsibility. Matter of fact, one thing I'm learning the older I get is how much I needed other people to raise my kids. I don't think God designed us to do it alone. Now, one of the things you you probably noticed about our church is that our, our children, we're having more and more children, and they're, they're growing. They're becoming more mature, and the more mature they get, the more they need good, solid teaching about the kingdom of God, and uh, we, have a, we have a problem with a shortage of teachers. Uh, for good reasons, people are having to step back. Last week, I got a text from dear Melanie, uh, who essentially it said, help. <laughs> uh, she said, we just don't have enough people to do this well. And I always struggle with this at this point, especially a church like ours, we have one service, not two. So I know if you decide to teach one week, that means you're totally out of the service for that week. Uh, I know, that's, that's hard. And usually at this point, over the years, if it gets bad enough, I've resorted to two tools, guilt and shame. So would the children come now? No, no, no. <laughs> I've done it. You stand them up. Maybe you don't feed them or you, put, you know, kind of ruffle their hair. They kind of look like orphans and they're real cute. And you say, do you want to leave these children devoid of the word of God? The problem is, though, if you, if you decide you're going to teach out of guilt and shame, you don't do a good job. Who wants to be taught by somebody who's mad? Um, But would you pray about giving one Sunday a month? Pray about it. Certainly God would call some of us to care for our little ones that way. Well, but let's think about this a little more. If this is true, if it's true that we're disciples, and one of the ways that we announce the reign of God is by teaching about the kingdom of God, what does that look like for you? Well, 
it can look like inviting your friends to become a part of a community that's learning how to live under the reign of God. An illustration um, from communism. Stalin wanted to show the world what life under communism looked like. People were saying, what's your vision? What's the vision of, of, of communism? And so he created a city in Poland. He called it Nova Hutta. It meant new city. And he put all the best communist schools in it, all the best communist uh, uh, hospitals in it, all the best communist gymnasiums in it. And when anybody wanted to know what the vision of communism was, he would take them to Nova Hutta. Take them to the new city. The church is Nova Hutta. The church is the new city. The church is the alternative community that models before the world a different way of life. Life under the reign of God. So we, we teach about the reign of God. We announce the reign of God by being the church. We teach about the reign of God and the way that we live together. We, we teach about the reign of God in, in the way we, we practice our sexuality, in, in, in the way we're generous to one another, in the way we forgive, in the way we deal with food, in, in the way we think about race. We're teaching about the reign of God. We teach about the reign of God in our liturgy and in our prayers, uh, in our preaching, in our blogs and essays. We teach about uh, the reign of God in our, in our poetry, in our paintings, in our, our dances. We teach about the reign of God when we marry our young and bury our dead. We teach about the reign of God by being the church. When I was in seminary, I, I took a course in evangelism, and the professor brought in a guy, and he, he was known as a very effective evangelist, and that he could get people to make a decision for Christ faster than anybody else. And he took us to 1 Peter 3.24, and it says, He himself bore our sins and his body on the tree. And the man stood up, taught that verse. He said, if you go to someone, if you just walk out the door and you read that verse to someone and you say to them, do you want him to do that? And they say yes, then you've won a convert. Now, I'm not sure that worked then, um, but I know it doesn't work now. Because many of our neighbors, most of our neighbors, have no idea what sin is. Because they've never met a holy God and they don't know about the Trinity and they don't know about the Son that came to pay the penalty for sin and they have no idea what the tree is. Danny Bullington was telling me about a trip he took to, to Africa. He was over there for quite some time and they went into a tribe that had never heard anything about the gospel and they developed a pictorial way of telling the narrative, the story, the whole story of Scripture. And it wasn't until the, the, the people in the tribe knew the whole story of Scripture that they were able to, to choose whether or not to follow Christ. I think post-Christian America is, is a lot more like that tribe than anything else. And so I think the way 
people come to Christ today is by being a part of a learning community that's exposed to the teaching of the kingdom of God, where they can come in and try on a different story than the one they're living under. So you might feel like, you know, I, I'm not a teacher. I'm not, I'm not great at talking about the kingdom of God. Well, I'd, I'd say you're probably better than you think you are, and if God prompts you, you need to share. But, but let me suggest to you that evangelism is a team sport. It's not something you do by yourself usually. It's something we do in community. And, and start looking for the spiritually sensitive people in your lives. The one who God is starting to open up to the gospel, who are starting to ask the questions. You don't need to close the sale. You don't need to do the deal. Just figure out a way to expose them to the teaching of the kingdom. Read mere Christianity with them. Or whatever the hip version is of that today. Bring them to your, your smoker. Bring them to the Monday night Bible study. Bring them in here. Expose them to the teaching of the kingdom of God. Well, there's another way that, that Jesus announces the reign of God, and, and that is by healing. Uh, Jesus goes throughout all Galilee, healing every disease, every affliction from all the people. His healings are signs of the coming kingdom. And what happens is Jesus proclaims the kingdom, announces the kingdom with words and deeds. He teaches and he heals compassionately. Now, why does he do that? Well, he, one reason why is to prove that he's God. That's one of the reasons for the miracles, to show people that he is the Son of God. But that's not the only reason. The miracles are more than that. The miracles announce the reign of God. The healings proclaim the reign of God. Jesus says that when I cast out demons, when I heal, the kingdom of God is among you. Now here's where it gets kind of hard to understand. If you believe Jesus is God, it's not that big of a stretch to believe that he healed people. But here's where the stretch comes. Jesus commissions the disciples to do the same thing by the same power. Mark 3.14, he appointed 12 so that they might be with him and might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Mark 16, 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The, the Greek word for, for healing here is therapuo. We get our word therapeutic from it. It's used for mending nets, for restoring things, for bringing things back into wholeness. And so this is no surprise that the God of peace, the God of shalom, comes and, and advertises the kingdom of God by restoring broken people. So what do you do with that this week? Well, the church has responded in two ways, and I think they're both valid. The, the most common way is the church has said, we need to have ministries of compassion 
along with our teaching ministry. That that's one of the ways that we announce the reign of God. We teach the word of God and we care for the sick. And so hospitals have been begun and we feed the, the poor and we work in mental health and we do anything we can. Last week I went to the graduation of, of Launch Point over at CARM that some of you are in. This is so encouraging. It's so wonderful what they're doing. Uh, CARM, Knoxville Area Rescue Mission, uh, decided, you know, it's not enough that we just feed people. We, we need to help these folks heal up and get restored and become active members of the community. And so they've been working on that. They've developed a program. Their people come in and they learn skills and they get into housing and they get into jobs and they have coaches and mentors and, and, and some of them are starting to walk into what God would have them. That's one way that the church heals. But there's another way, and that's by praying for the sick and those afflicted by demons. And whether you're a continuationist and believe the gifts are for today, or a cessationist and believe the charismatic gifts ceased with the last of the apostle, Every Christian believes James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So one of the ways that we announce the reign of God is by praying for one another when we're sick or oppressed by demonic spirits. And I know it's 2,000 years later. Thankfully, God has given us tremendous medicines and, and doctors, and praise God for that. And that's clearly one of the ways that he, that he heals. One of the things that I, I think is true today is that the supernatural healing work of God now is often, often has to do with healing of emotions, healing of, of memories, healing of, of things internally, although I've still seen him heal physically. I still believe we need to have an active, this is just my own understanding, but we need to have an active awareness of the power of, of Satan in the world today and how he can hinder and afflict believers. And we need to know how to pray for people that are wrestling with that kind of affliction. We need to announce the reign of God by praying for healing. Now, as we, as we close, it, one thought occurred to me that churches tend to focus on one piece of this as opposed to all of it. For example, everybody, every Christian wants to be like Jesus. Every church wants to be like Jesus. We all want to minister like Jesus. The church for 2,000 years has looked at that passage and said, okay, if that's what disciples do, help us do it. So some churches have said, you know, it's about teaching. The way you announce the reign of God is by good, solid teaching, knowing the Word of God, studying the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God. That's what we're going to do. Some churches have said, you know the way this works? It's about healing. We're going to be a church that believes in healing, prays for healing, casts out demons, has conferences on casting out demons, have people come forward at the end of every service to, to heal. We're going to be a healing church. And some churches say, we know what this means. We're about ministries of compassion. We are about social justice. And we are going to care for the hurting. 
And I think all of those come out of the passage. And what I challenge us to consider is what would it look like if we were a church that embraced all three aspects of announcing the reign of God? What if we were a church that was just solid in teaching the gospel? We were a church of people who lived under the authority of Scripture, who knew the Word of God. What if we were a church that believed in God's power to heal? And and in small group, when you're with your people, it would be as normal to study the Scripture as to say, you know, can we pray about that right now? And what if we were a church that cared for the poor and served the broken? Then I think it would be a church that revealed the reign of God. Let's pray.